0: I think if you put Gene Smith, Greg Sankey, David Shaw, and Chris Peterson in the room, they could figure this whole thing out.
1: That's Chip Kelly talking about what should happen with college football. He's our guest this week on a new episode of Konzano & Wilner, the podcast. What's better
0: than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner,
2: a.k.a. John and John.
1: Over the years, I've enjoyed interviewing Chip Kelly in a variety of capacities. When he was with Oregon, when he was in the NFL, and now at UCLA, I've always liked talking with Chip Kelly, in part because the conversations sometimes don't center around football. They center around whatever happens to be on Chip Kelly's mind that day. Uh, we're bringing him on the podcast today, and I'm excited about this interview because we've got a lot to talk with him about. And in particular, you know, he's a guy who has changed college football as much as anybody else in the last 20 years. You see his influence is all over the game. Uh, we'll talk with him coming up. I'm John Canzano. You can read my work at johnconzano.com. I'm with John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group. You can find him at pac12hotline.com. Also excited to announce that Pacific Seafood is coming aboard as a sponsor of this podcast. So I want to give a shout out to Pacific Seafood. You're going to be hearing a lot more about them in the coming weeks. Uh, Great company and great products. John Wilner, why is it important that we talk with Chip Kelly? Why is he a guest on this podcast?
2: Well, I mean, in addition to what he's done changing the sport on the field, right? Uh, He has been uh, pretty outspoken about the state of the sport off the field right and his comments and we'll get into it with him his comments about separating out college football from everything else in the ncaa i think resonated with a lot of people who are frustrated with the direction of the sport and what what realignment is doing to the other sports besides football uh so we're going to get into that with chip uh you know and he's so interesting about tons of stuff right i mean as interesting to talking about off the field and non-football stuff as he is talking about football so we're going to get into a lot of stuff we're going to play a little rapid fire q a with chip uh ask him about the big 10 and the Pac 12 situation ask him about sleep we got a ton of stuff to get to it's it's going to be uh it's going to be terrific
1: i always leave my talks with chip kelly feeling like i'm a little smarter because he's one of these guys that goes out in the world and he just He studies things. He dives into things. He gathers information and intel. He does a lot of recon on behalf of humankind. On that note, we are uh, punching up Chip Kelly, who's joining us via phone for this interview. When I tweeted out you were coming on, Chip, a couple of your former players reached out and said, ask him if he's requiring his players to make their beds, and ask him why he's such a morning guy. How did you end up as a morning guy?
0: Very simply is... I moved to the West Coast from the East Coast. I just on East Coast time. So that three hour time difference, because when my dad was alive, he'd call me at seven in the morning his time, and it was four in the morning my time. So I just got used to getting up early.
2: Are you asking your guys?
0: Nothing more than that.
2: Are you asking your guys to make their beds? Is that part of the UCLA player (laughs) routine? Um, We ask
0: them to do just to be disciplined. You know, I think that the analogy, I actually learned it from. One of the all-time greats up at Nike, my big man, H. White, and Howard White came to talk to our team and talked about that, you know, just about doing the little things right, and that how you do small things is how you do all things, and a point that he made, that was just a point of emphasis, and I always thought that made sense. There's a great speech from Admiral McRaven at the University of Texas graduation, where he talks about why you should make your bed in the morning, and um, it just kind of sets the tone for the vet, so... Well, we have a check on them, but I think it's something for all of us to learn and a very valuable lesson.
2: Chip, how, how are things going with your um, – got a ton of stuff to uh, to ask you about, uh, and I want to get to all that, but the, your team right now, halfway through the season, what is your your assessment of how things are going?
0: I love our team. Our team is, is unbelievable in their practice habits and training habits and how they approach um, every day. So they're, they're just so much fun to be around, you know, and I think when other people come in and see our guys, when they remark of how impressed they are with them, just as people, um, it makes it fun as a coach to be able to just go to, go to work every day and, and uh, and be around guys like that. So it's, it's an unbelievable group. Um, uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we're, we're excited about our next challenge. we got Stanford this weekend. He's coming off a big win over Colorado. So, um, We're fired up for this next challenge.
1: What do you make of this season so far in the Pac-12? All the ranked teams, really good games, uh, great audiences, big audiences. What do you make of what you see from, like, the 20,000-foot view?
0: Um, It's something that I thought going in, you know, because of how everybody finished last year. I think there were six or seven of us in the top 25. Um, So I knew, and a lot of them have returning players, so we knew we were going to have a pretty good situation. Um, and so it's, it's something that I probably expected, you know, I knew Washington, we played Washington more than last year. they were both good teams. USC was a good team. New state was a good team. Um, Jake's done a really good job at Washington state. Um, so I just knew it was going to be a battle, you know, and, and, uh, really what the battle is, is everybody's going to play each other. So at some point in time, this thing's going to come, um, to a head. Then they're starting to get into those matchups now that Washington already win is an amazing game last weekend. You know, you got Utah SC this weekend. Um, so it's
2: going to play so Chip, have you found that you've been able, your guys have been able to just focus on the season at hand with all of the talk about the, you know, the bigger picture, what's happened to the Pac-12 and your move to the Big Ten? Are, are your guys pretty good about blocking that stuff out?
0: Yeah, because there's a predominant amount of our guys, specifically the seniors, who aren't going to the Big Ten. Yeah. So it wouldn't be fair to them for us to talk about it. So we've never talked. The only time I ever talked about it, I think, was the opening meeting a year ago when the move was made. And as I told them, you know, when I got the news about our it, I was like, oh, my God, when are we going? And Martin Jarman said they're going to have a vote in two hours and we're going to go to go to the Big Ten. And I said, when are we going? And he said, two years. So I was like, oh, don't. two years is a long time in college athletics. So it doesn't affect last year's team. doesn't affect this year's team.
2: Do you have any – have you found yourself in the last – you know, since last summer, uh, just thinking about the Pac-12 <laughs> and what has happened, what's happened in college athletics?
0: I do. And, and it's sad. You know, I think there's a lot of things wrong with college athletics, um, realignment being one of them. Um, and I just I, I understand it. It's chase the money, and that's what people are doing. And to support the athletics at your university, it's kind of the administrative fiduciary responsibility to say, hey, if we get a chance to make 75 million, as opposed to whatever the number was supposed to be, 30. I think you have to do it, but there's consequences to that, you know? And um, it's, I just wish all the smart people in athletics could get in the room and figure this out because I don't think it's that hard, you know? And I've said before, I don't understand. I think the problem with the NCAA is they try to put everybody in the same box. And I don't think you should do that because all of our sports are different. So why is, football treated like water polo and they try to do that and it just doesn't match. And even football at any level, division three football and power five football is drastically different. Um, And it should be run that way. You know, the model I think is the best model is that Notre Dame is independent in football, but they're in a conference for everything else. I think we should all be independent in football and our basketball team should play Arizona every year. Our women's softball team should be playing Arizona every year. They shouldn't be playing Rutgers because football has got a better deal. It just doesn't make sense. So, but no one asked my my opinion. So I just think of these things when I drive in in the morning and I'm by myself. So I have it all mapped <laughs> out. Just if they ever ask, I share. But if not, I want to get ready to be, play games.
1: Were you surprised that when you made those comments several weeks ago that how how much it blew up? And you know, because it's such a common sense thing. Everybody went, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: I didn't know it really blew up, John, I and mean, you know me because I don't really, I'm not following the, 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 the news feed that everybody else follows, so I get asked questions at a press conference, i went answer them, and then that's probably the extent of it. I've got asked a couple more since then, but nothing big. Um, I did meet with Joe Moglia, who's an amazing human being, who was at Coastal Carolina, but he used to be the CEO of TD Ameritrade. His, uh, his story is an amazing story. Um, and when we played Coastal in our opening game, he came over the day of the game and just wanted to talk. And we talked about a lot of things about this. And Joe's got a lot of good ideas, too. But I think people should should talk to people that are involved in it. You know, um, I think if you put Gene Smith, Greg Sankey, David Shaw, and Chris Peterson in the room, they could figure this whole thing out.
1: Did you have anybody at the NCAA, anybody at the CFP, reach out at all and say, hey, tell us more about this or, or ask you anything, or is it just reporters and, and other interested parties? Just reporters.
0: I haven't I haven't, to, I haven't heard from anybody else.
1: Gosh, I would think they would be interested in, hey, yeah, let's continue that conversation. If That's a healthy conversation. That would be great for the ecosystem. And I think that's probably some of the frustration uh, with that, fans.
0: That's where the frustration, I think, comes in, because I don't think... I don't think it's that hard, and I think you can still exist, and everybody can can make out. And I think if you presented a 64 team, whatever the number of Power Five teams there are now, and presented it like an NFL model, like there's divisions, so there's a West Coast division, just like the NFC West right now is the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Rams. Just make it the two Washingtons, the two Ohio's, Northern Cal and Southern Cal, and we're for that 18 division. And then there's an East division, then there's a North, there's a South, there's a Southeast. And then the great part for football is we would all play our conference. We'd play seven games in our conference. And then you'd cross over against a different division every year. So everybody in the West is playing everybody in the South this year. And then everybody in the West is playing everybody in the East the following year. So you'd get those inter rivalry matchups. I mean, inter- uh, intersectional matchups that people always want at the beginning of the season. But you still have to really win your division, which would be—you'd have to be the best team out of the, the eight teams in the West. And what it has to do is—if my point would be—is you took all 64 of those teams and went to the television networks and said, "This is our product." I guaranteed we'd all get a better TV deal than we have right now. Yeah. So instead of the Pac-12 has this, the Big Ten has this, the SEC has this, you go as a whole thing. I think the in it, it wouldn't be as big as the NFL contract, but the NFL contract's really big and they have 32 teams. So you're, you're, you, can, you can generate more games each week because you have 64 teams as opposed to 32 teams. And then take all that money, share it with everybody. I guarantee each school would make at least $75 million. And then that money goes back to the school to run all the other sports. And all the other sports should be in conferences. There should be a Pac-12 volleyball champ. There should be a Pac-12 softball champ. There should be a Pac-12 basketball champ. They don't need to travel to the other side. You know, Cal doesn't have to have an away game at Boston College and then play the next week at Miami. Like, that's just silly. All because of football money? Well, just take all the football money, put us together. Our game is different than every other game, too, because we only play once a week. So travel for us isn't what travel is for everybody
2: else. Chip, this sounds like your acceptance speech for college football czar.
0: Oh, No. No, no. One, one thing I think every human being needs to be is self-aware. So I'm really good with uh, knowing what I can do. Now, I am great at suggestions. So if anybody wants them, <laughs> I'll do it. But if they don't want them, I'm, I'm fine too. So, um, But there are some people that truly, truly care about this sport um, and want it to be what I think it could potentially be, where it would benefit everybody. Because if every school out there made $75 million today, that benefits every sport in the athletic department. Everybody has a better situation. You've answered your fiduciary responsibility as an athletic department by using football as your as your revenues to generate that, but you still protected everything else. And I don't I don't see a downside to it. It's just you have to kind of look outside the box a little bit and just separate football from the other sports.
2: And Do you? Do you the, think Colin-
0: the great part about it is Notre Dame has already done it? Notre Dame has an independent TV contract. They're not in the ACC for football. They have a great situation. Just get Jack Swarbrick to tell everybody how he did it and, and then just say, hey, Jack, instead of you negotiating for one thing, you're negotiating for six and four. I think people would pony up some cash.
2: Do you think the sport needs a commissioner, a Roger Goodell?
0: Yes, I do. I really do. And I don't know if it's one or if it's more than one but I think there needs to be a committee. And I also think that committee needs to have um, authority. We need to be able to um, not just a de facto puppet regime, but this person has to have the ability to legislate. This person has to have the ability to enforce um, so that it's it's all equitable. And all 64 teams, you know, every decision that's made in the NFL is made for the NFL is for the good of the NFL. Now it may there's times where it can impact an individual team negatively, but you make a new decision for the majority and for the good of the game. And I, I think it's, it's it's very much needed. And I think there's a lot of really qualified guys out there that could, that could have a hand in it and really care and would love to have
1: a hand in it. Chip, you um, you've always been adaptable, but this job has changed. Your job has changed. David Shaw, Chris Peterson, mm-hmm. have both talked about that and, what, what do you see happening? How, how has it changed in your world?
0: Um, realignment, transfer portal, NIL— which one do you want to start with? You know, they're all—they're <laughs> all just different things, and it's—it's—it's it's, it's also you have to know that going in. So I think the people that rail against whatever is new are already defeated, and like this is—we—what we, are we doing here? What are we doing here? If someone told you twenty years ago you would have this job, you would say, "Oh my God, that's." There's no way I'll do anything I have to, to to make that work. So we're very fortunate. You know, 20 years ago, I was coaching at New Hampshire. Um, and now I'm a head coach of the Power 5 team. So we talk to our guys all the time about there's no crying on the yacht. You know, I, I don't think a uh, head coach having to deal with the transfer portal or NIL issues or realignment pales in comparison to what's going on in this world right now. So I don't, I'll never stand up and say, you know, transfer reporter is ridiculous, and how about this? I mean, you know, you look at the atrocities that are going on in this world, I think you can put some things in perspective. Yeah, we have some issues that we need to work out, but in the grand scheme of things, we got pretty good jobs. Really good jobs.
2: Are you talking to your players about what's going on in the world? And do, and do you do that yeah. on a reg- we are, regular we the basis? Defensive
0: lineman, Bill, it depends on the situation. So we have the defensive lineman, David Magno, who has um, – who is Jewish and has family that still lives in Israel. And we actually had, a, he actually gave a little informal meeting to our players about kind of what's going on over there from his perspective. But he actually has family that are living in Israel right now and are living in the midst of this war. So um, I think I think it is something that's really important that we understand where we are um, on this campus here in Westwood and what else is going on in the world. And I think it helps put things in perspective for all of us. So um, we're playing a game. Um, we take our, we take football very, very seriously, but it's, it's still a game. You know, it's, it's not, it's not like and death. Um, and that's what's going on in the world right now. And, and a couple of times, you know, in the Ukraine, you know, in the middle East, there, there's a lot going on and there's, and there's a lot of sides to all the stories. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really, um, interesting time in this world right now. So um, I, I don't think you can bury your head in the sand and just say, well, it's not happening where we are, so let's not worry about it.
1: You always brought speakers in, and you still do, to talk with your team. And I know that you would talked about bringing some of the Navy SEALs in or going to see them train. What did you What did you get out of that personally, watching those guys or listening to those guys?
0: Uh, perspective, admiration, um you know, I think they, they have dedicated their lives to serving others. You know, when there's a sound of gunfire, probably the human inclination is to run from it and these people run to it. Um, the sacrifice they make and some of them, the ultimate sacrifice they make, um, for their family members, for their brothers, for their country, um, is something that's amazing. Um, but just how they work on a daily basis, the discipline that they live their lives with. Um, and I think because they're doing it for something that's bigger than them, and they understand that, uh, I think is, is a life lesson that all of us can learn. So um, We actually have a Navy ship on staff with us right now, um, and he get to kind of pick his brain on a daily basis, and he's been amazing, you know, just in one-on-ones with our players. So I think sometimes speakers are great, um, but sometimes that wears off. You know, so I think if we can continue to emphasize the point of service and using your platform as a useful football player to help better other people's situations is, is something that's really important and one of our cornerstones here. Um, and Pops does a
2: great job of kind of getting that message across to our players. Chip, we got uh, we came up with a few rapid-fire questions for you, like a game show style here, um, all right? Yep, yep. I'm
0: good. I'm good. I'm a rapid-fire guy. I'm, right. I, I talk fast. I pick fast. <laughs> I don't I, it may not be right but I'm gonna it'll come out it'll come out fast
2: uh, John you want to go
1: first yeah I'll go first All right. what's on your playlist do you listen to music
0: um yeah I'm more of a just a radio guy because I don't like I like change so I wouldn't listen to five straight songs by this person I would listen to I want one from here one from here and I also want it to be random so I don't know what's coming
2: all right, here's a, a UCLA-centric question. Dante Moore reminds you of who? Ooh.
0: That's a slow answer. because I'm not a comparison guy, so I, I tried to – I've always heard that statement. I don't know which one it was. Maybe Jefferson or one of those that, that comparisons and people enjoy, you know, because you're pigeonholing people. Um, I know Dante's an amazing person. That's the biggest thing that jumps off with me, the time i was met him. He's got an unbelievable perspective and – Unique look at the world for an 18 year old young man. You know, he's he's an old soul, um, but I don't know if there's anybody in particular that I would compare Dante to. Dante's a own human being, and he's an awesome one.
1: Better vacation: Oregon coast or Central Oregon? All right, I'll be honest. I've never vacationed in
0: either. I've been to both, <laughs>
1: um, but I'm an ocean
0: guy, so I would say, I would say, um, I would say the coast.
1: All right, but best beach you've ever been on, then
0: best beach I've ever been on? Yep. Uh, Newcastle Beach in Newcastle, New Hampshire, right in the front of my
2: house. You're appointed czar of college football and can change one aspect of it instantly in dictatorial style. What would you change? (laughs) No
0: night games. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. College football should be played on Saturday afternoon on every campus in this country like they used to in the old days the tradition in history. That's how I feel. So, And again, going back to being a morning person, I want to, as Nick Aliotti would say, I want to get up, touch our toes, and smash. I don't want to wait around all day for, <laughs> because that's the time window slot that we have. Let's, let's get up and play ball.
1: What's on your nightstand? What are you reading? There's
0: nothing on my nightstand. I go home. When I go home and go to bed, John, I go to bed. Like, <laughs> one thing I'm really, really good at, and I've spent a lot of time researching it and studying it, is I am a great sleeper. <laughs> so when I go to my bed, I am going to bed. Like I'm not going to my bed and saying, Hey, I'm going to read this. I'm going to, I'm going to take my time and, you know, kind of work my window and I can fall asleep anywhere. I'll fall asleep today before the plane takes off. Cause I can sleep on a plane. So I know I have a map from LAX to FFO. And it's about an hour and 25 minutes. So I know I got an hour map coming up here. Um, from two o'clock to three o'clock. Okay. And I'll be out. Okay. So, there's nothing on my nightstand from a reading standpoint because I mean, I, I'm I'm going to bed.
1: All right. So give us all some help. People who are scrolling through their phones as they're about to go to sleep, that's the absolute wrong thing oh, to do, right? I mean That's
0: the worst thing for w- worst thing for you. Because of the UV the lights that come off your phone. If you're gonna do that, you need to have a blue light blocker. Because if not, the body is set by circadian rhythms and if it gets night if it gets light, it thinks it's supposed to be up. The human body, we were built a long time ago that when the sun's out, we're up. Sun's up, we're up, sun's down, we're down. So we, with all the artificial light that's been invented, that's what screws up a lot of screen time, screws up a lot of people's um, ability to fall asleep at night because of that. So you need to get invested. It's not very sensitive. And you get some little blue light blockers but if you have to um, look at your phone. But it's also not a bad thing to put your phone down. I mean, people need to learn that lesson.
2: True or false? You and Chancellor Block bonded over sleep theory during the interview process.
0: True. He did a he's uh, he did a study on circadian rhythms. I mean, we started talking about the development of the person and the essential part of the health aspect of what we're, we're should, that we should provide from a nutrition standpoint, from a food standpoint, from a hydration standpoint. Um, I think that struck a cold with Chancellor Block. So we had some great conversation about that. I think Dan Guerrero, who's just a special human being in his own right, was just sitting there looking at the two of us talking about circadian Rivers and things like that. I thought this was a football interview. But it was, uh, we went off on some tangents down down that rabbit hole, which was intriguing. But that is 100% true.
1: The uh, the decision to leave Oregon for the NFL. I remember there was uh, you know you were yeah. going you were going to Tampa then you weren't and then Philadelphia. Did you re- Did you leave at the right time?
0: I have no idea. That's a great question, John. My decision to leave was the toughest decision I've ever made because of people, and that was it. It wasn't that I wanted to coach in the NFL or I wanted to be here. Or I wanted to be there, but um, leaving Nick, leaving Gary Campbell, leaving. Mark Helford, Steve Greatwood, that whole staff, the people that I got to work with on a daily basis that made Oregon so special to me. And then leaving those players, those players were awesome. And then when I had to tell them I was leaving, it was, it was, I cried. And um, just because, you know, a part of your life that was so special for you um, is ending. And I knew it was ending because of my decision. It wasn't ending because somebody else made a decision. Um, and that's what made it the hardest, but I, I wanted the challenge, um, but the relationship part that was, you know, when, when I was off at the 10th of a job and I really wanted to take it, but then not knowing what would happen, um, would there be a whole new coaching staff, all that other stuff you can't take everybody with you. You know, I, I don't think people realize when, when jobs switch hands, people's lives are greatly affected because not everybody on the old staff stays on the new staff and not everybody goes with the coach. Um, So people's lives, you know, they're kind of counting on you. And when you make a decision like I made, that that impacts, it doesn't impact just me, it impacted a lot of people. And that's what made it hard. So I don't know if it was ever the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, And I don't know if any decision people make in lives is the right thing or the wrong thing. You just have to gather all the information that's available to you and then analyze it and make it, you know, I'll let other people figure that part out. Um, but I've, I've been playing on the of money for a long time here. So I would have been perfectly content to be at New Hampshire for the rest of my life. And if Mike Bellotti didn't make that phone call, maybe I'm still there. I don't know. But um, I feel really blessed in the, the chances and the opportunities I've had just because of the people But I've had an opportunity to meet workers and most people in Oregon. are absolutely amazing. And that's why
2: I'm so fond of the place. Chip, I think, uh, you know, you're you're certainly on the short list of people who have changed college football in the last quarter century. I'm wondering, what do you think is the next iteration of the sport? Fast, you know, more plays per game, faster tempo is slowing down. Where do you see the – the, the sport going strategically?
0: Um, I think if you look at the sport right now, scoring is down, especially at the NFL level, especially red zone scoring. I think the defense has started to gain a little bit of an upper hand in terms of what's going on. You know, so I think it's tilting a little bit towards that side. Um, one of the reasons we even have our defensive coordinator Dan Lynn, came in from the NFL because of some of the things they're doing at that level and that has impacted how well we're playing on defensive this year. Um so I think there is some there's always going to be give and take that way. Um, what we have to make sure we don't do is, as administrators of this game, that we administer out some of the the things that make this game great. And I know they've changed the rules. So drives are down this year. Plays are down this year because of the clock running um, after a first down. It takes some adjustment to do it. Um, so I think scoring is definitely going to be down because people on average will run less plays than they've run before, and so that's just kind of part of the game, Um, so I don't know exactly I think scoring is going to be down would be what I think just because of that rule Um, and I don't agree with it, but again it's, it's like realignment, nobody asked me, I didn't even, I didn't know I just think all of us as coaches is there's a lot of problems in college football, I didn't know that Scoring points was one of them. I was kind of, I I don't get why that was made, unless it was made to get more commercial breaks in, and if it is, then then just tell us. I'm one of those guys, too. Like if, If you're doing something for one reason, and then you try to say it's for another reason, it's like, come on, Just if you tell me that you needed to get more commercial breaks in, then all right, I'm fine with it. But I don't understand it for the good of the game. If you went to a Bruce Springsteen concert and he played less songs, would you be happy or sad?
2: (laughs) You'd be sad. Point well taken.
0: Like, no one was like... and, And so, in football, with everything going on, realignment, transfer portal, NIL, all the things going on, to say, all right, here's what we'll do to fix football. Let's have them run less plays. Like, what are we doing? Like, why are we doing that? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, it's again, I think it goes back to what you talked about earlier. We need a commissioner and we need somebody... That has some common sense and say, all right, how do we handle this? If you want to get more time, can halftime the halftime in the NFL is 15 minutes not 20 minutes. I'll save you five minutes on a game like right there and I'll put those back into play. Like there's other places where you could adjust the time. You can build in an automatic two minute warning like they do in in the NFL. So the commercial people know that they're going to get a break at the two minute mark no matter what. You know sometimes you get those those games and you've been to them where they have to get so many. Commercial breaks in, and then all of a sudden they there hasn't been enough break in play, so it seems like the the last four minutes and a half takes a half hour because they keep putting the breaks in there because they don't know they don't have a registered one coming. There's a lot of things I think from that standpoint that would impact the game of football itself, and that's what I think is the most important thing because the best part of football is football.
1: We got two to finish here, and then we'll let you go and you get off to practice, but. Your mom, you told me once that your mom bought you a football every year for Christmas and that that continued when you were coaching yeah. at Oregon. Was that true or how long did that continue? Yeah. No,
0: that went till um, probably four or five years ago. I'd get a football for Christmas.
1: Every Christmas.
0: Chip Kelly would. <laughs> On my birthday, you didn't want Yeah, I would be like, this is great. And then one time she told me as she got older that it was autographed and it was because it. But it was, just, it was just a Johnny United football. Like Johnny United didn't autograph it himself <laughs> She He had just purchased a Johnny United football. So, um, But yeah, that's the. And I told her it's good because sometimes I go out to practice and I'm like, we don't have enough ball. So I, I'll, I'll, at least you provided one for me. We'll always be able to practice if I get a football every I
2: love that.
1: Uh, we always but ask. That's true. We asked our guests uh, the best advice you ever got, or maybe advice that you find yourself. Leaning into uh, you know after all these years,
0: uh, Do not be governed by the fear of what other people say.
2: Did you hear that from a? Is that from a coach or a former coach of yours or a teacher?
0: I kind of put that together myself. It's the whole thing of you know why are you li- why are you listening? The whole it's it's part of the why would you listen? Why would you take advice from somebody? Why would you listen to, to a critique from someone you wouldn't take advice from? But I've kind of couched that into I don't think you should live your life and let that govern you that you're fearful of what other people say because I, I think you have to be authentic and you have to be genuine and and, uh, and I think it's really important and, and I feel for the younger generation because they grew up on likes like I didn't grow up on likes I don't understand that I don't know if I would be the same person I am today if I grew up the way these guys grew up is that their entire day is critique <laughs> somebody liked my post somebody didn't like my post somebody liked what i did on the field somebody didn't like what i did on the field that's a that's a really hard thing and i think the people that are really successful aren't governed by what other people say they, they kind of have their own north star that guides them um we all make mistakes we have to learn from our mistakes that's not saying that we don't pay attention to, to what we do on a daily basis because no one does everything correct all the time but if you're doing something because you're afraid of what someone's going to say about it, then that's a that's a tough way to go through life.
1: Chip Kelly, thank you. Have a great walkthrough this weekend.
0: Thanks now a ton, it's Chip. Speed. It's fast Friday now. This isn't a walkthrough, John. We're flying through. It's a run-through? It was early. It's fast. It's, oh, yeah. Full-speed Friday. Fast Friday. I love it's it. We're on the field for an hour and eight minutes, and our, our boys will be cooking. coming right out of the weight room and right onto to the practice so they're in the weight room right now and – we're getting ready to start here pretty soon, so it'll be it'll be a good fast Friday. And then I'm excited because I already know I got that nap. From <laughs> LAX to F- FFO coming up. So
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Get my so, circadian rhythms going.
1: All right. So do you keep, like in your bedroom, you keep your phone away from the nightstand? Like is that something we should all be doing? Just, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, not even close. Gonzo. No. Because I learned, and it's nothing more than I, it started – when I was when I finally when I moved to Oregon and I'd look and my phone was ringing, I'm like, oh my god, my dad's calling. It's three in the morning. What's the emergency? And he would be like, how you doing? Ready for an <laughs> exciting day? And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm checking in on you. I go, Dad, it's three a.m. He's like, ah, oh, I forgot about the time change. So I learned a lot. I learned back then that was 07 to not keep my phone near the bed because, and and it wasn't him. I'd have friends, families, people on the East Coast that are that want to talk or something like that. It would be, it's 4 a.m. for It's 7 a.m. for them, but it's 4 a.m. for me. So I learned about 10 or 15 years ago to not keep my phone in my bed or, or I wouldn't get the proper amount of sleep that I need. And I need a lot of beauty rest. So
2: there you go. Have a good, you got a, you get a big chance for beauty rest on some flights next year. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. See, that's the positive. That's how I'm going to spin it is how good, how rest, how rested are we going to be? If we can really capitalize on, (laughs) on, uh, on flight maps
1: love
2: it
0: have a good, a good point john i'm going to make sure i bring that up when people talk about travel again
2: have a good have a good fast Friday. Go. <laughs> thanks a ton ship we really appreciate all it right, all right take appreciate care it. we'll I'll see you soon. thank you there we goes Bye. i knew that's why you know he wanted to be in the Big Ten, right? Yes. More sleep on plates.
1: You see, you spun it positive for him. You gave him that. And let's see how long it takes until the LA Times or somebody else is quoting him saying that. It'll be about 15 minutes before that shows up as he starts to repeat it. Uh, rapid reaction there. Um, he's always been one of my favorite interviews. He used to, when he was coaching at Oregon, he would just call into the radio show that I was hosting and and You know, it wasn't like a planned interview. He would sometimes just call in while he was driving up, you know, from Eugene to Portland, and we would do like a segment of radio. And he was always um, different and interesting and um, thoughtful. And, you know, you see the influences of his mother and father.
2: Well, it's just, uh, you know, he's so interesting and he made it seem like he doesn't do a whole lot of reading, especially at night, but he's, you know, he's so knowledgeable about a lot of stuff. And I just think it's his whole concept of where college football is going and, you know, how the sport should be restructured and, and separated from the NCAA, you know, what he had to say about that's fascinating. And it's clear he he's thought a lot about it, right? I mean, it's not just something that popped in his head one time and he you know, he was asked about it by reporters. He He's clearly thought deeply about the issue of the sport. I liked his
1: idea, too, that not one commissioner, that more like a panel and you get Greg Sankey and David Shaw and Chris Peterson and some others in that space who understand who actually understand what the hell's going on and and what happens with teams and the dynamic of travel and college football in general. And I think it's really easy for athletic directors to get in the room and say, OK, Chip Kelly said. We should split away. Football should split away. And, and to start talking about it from a why-can't-this-happen standpoint versus what Chip is saying, he's saying, not that hard. How about approach it from why-this-should-happen standpoint, not why it shouldn't happen? And yes, there's TV contracts that are staggered, that don't line up. There could be some problems. But if you just said, hey, look, beginning in 2035, when everybody's deal's up or whatever, here's what should happen. How do we get there? Uh, I, I think you, you don't have to be that smart to get there and, and Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame might be might be a good guy to talk with about that but I I would love for Chip Kelly to get in the room with some of these people and and for somebody who cares about college football as much as he does uh, you know be able to stand in front of the administrators and say hey look this is what needs to happen we all know it how do we get there
2: it'd be yeah it would be a fantastic and fascinating we should probably get into the picks huh it is and and uh it is Friday. we this is a rare Friday recording for us, right? Because we want we we move things around to to be able to to get Chip Kelly on the show yeah. this week, and Friday was the Friday morning was the best time for him. But we have got picks to make here. Yeah, let's uh, let's blitz uh, through, and these. it's yeah. just just uh, four games. Yep, shouldn't light take a long schedule.
1: Night schedule. Let's start with the with the early game. Washington State's at Oregon, twelve thirty Saturday, ABC. Cougars have problems. Everybody's wondering what's going on with him. I asked Dickert this week if uh, he had he had contact with Michigan State or any other school. He said no. Um, you know, maybe his agent has. Maybe his agent hasn't. Maybe he's telling the truth. Like, I want to believe he's telling the truth. But we all know in college football, the worst thing ever would be for a coach to come out and be like, yeah, I am talking to somebody or my agent's talking to somebody. But Washington State looks really distracted right now. Oregon's a 20-and-a-half point favorite. I just think uh, Oregon comes to play. Oregon wins this game big. And I have to assume Oregon's going to come to play after last week's loss to Washington. So I have Oregon winning this and covering the 20 and a half.
2: Yeah, I was wondering like what the vibe is up there in terms of the hangover, the post-Washington hangover for the Ducks and for the Huskies too. It's interesting. Both are both are heavy favorites at home coming off that that epic game last week. Uh, but I think Washington State's, part of their problem is, is actually Chip Kelly's team, right? UCLA's defensive scheme a few weeks ago really seemed to... Uh, bamboozle Washington state kind of threw Cam Ward off, out of his rhythm and they, and Arizona did the same thing last week, held them to six points. Washington state scored two offensive touchdowns in the last two, two weeks. And Oregon's got a better defensive line than any of those teams. So I'm just not sure that the Cougars have got an answer, right? We're at the point of the season where, there's a lot on film and conference opponents are going to be well prepared for you. And then you've got to be able to kind of make some counter moves. And I'm waiting to see if the Cougars have a counter move. I, until I see it, I'm a I'm pretty skeptical. So I, I certainly have got the ducks minus the 20.
1: Yeah. And Jake Tigger told me, I said, what's going on there? And he says, there's some good coaches in this conference. And, yeah. you know, he's got Ben Arbuckle calling the plays now. And Arbuckle's got to make an adjustment. I, I think here's my prediction. I think Washington State's going to try to run the football, run the football, run the football and try to run. Oregon out of dropping eight defenders. But I don't know if uh, if they're good enough against Oregon up front to do that. Like, Oregon might be able to uh, limit them anyway. But let's see what happens. I'm with you. I think we're on the same page. 5 o'clock game. Utah's at USC. This one's on Fox. Um, Utah is a seven-point underdog. USC coming off the loss to Notre Dame. I am uh, one of these people that, until you knock the champ out, they're the champ. I, I'm picking Utah in this game. I, I'm not all that confident with the pick, but I think Utah is built in a way that USC is not, and I think Kyle Whittingham will make this a game. And I, So I'm picking Utah to win the game outright. And I, I would take Utah on the seven.
2: I actually have USC, and I don't have a great reason for it. Uh, I do think they're going to have similar problems to Notre Dame in terms of protecting Caleb Williams, but I think he will respond better, uh, and I'm just not confident that Utah's offense, you know, and certainly USC's defense has got a lot of problems, but man, I don't know on the road. I did not like what I saw from Utah's offense on the road in Corvallis. And I kind of need a, it's a little bit of a prove it to me deal here. Can Bryson Barnes or Nate Johnson, whoever's playing quarterback, uh, because I'm assuming it's not Cam Ryzen. Can they, you know, lead them up and down the field uh, multiple times? Cause you know, they're, they're going to need as as good as their defense is, they're still going to need 20 points at least to win this game. And I'm, I'm not confident that they can s- score enough in the second half to cover that seven. I've, so I've got USC, but I, you know, I don't feel good about I, it.
1: I, I just love how Utah scored on Cal. And I think Cal's defense is better than USC's defense. And so I, I don't know. I'm going with that. Plus, I was looking at, you know, first down defense. Utah has allowed the third fewest first downs in all of college football this season. USC is 113th uh, ranked in that category. I think Utah's offense might have a little bit of success, maybe enough to make it a game. So I like Utah on the points. Plus, until somebody knocks Kyle Whittingham's team out, you know they are the champs. And yeah, they, they they are. Know, it's three Definitely. straight now against USC. So let's see it. ASU's at Washington. The other hangover game, 730 Saturday, FS1. Washington is a 26.5-point home favorite. What do you like?
2: Well, not just a hangover game, but ASU's coming off a bye. So they've had two weeks to get ready. Uh, And, you know, one thing I thought about here, Kenny Dillingham, the ASU coach, he was Oregon's offensive coordinator last year. Uh, Ducks moved the ball pretty well on UW uh, in that late season game. I think they'll have a good plan. They certainly don't have the talent Oregon did. Uh, but they also have a little bit more talent on offense, I think, than people realize. Uh, Elijah Badger's really one of the best players in the conference. Uh, I've got ASU. I just think Washington, you know, that's such a big number that you know, Huskies are a little bit sluggish out of the gates. I mean, sure, they've been, you know, they've been celebrating up there since Saturday evening. So I've got ASU to cover. Uh, I just don't think Washington's going to, you know, it's not going to be close in the fourth quarter, but I, I don't know that Washington can get to 26.5, 27 points.
1: I agree with you. Coaches talk, Kenny Dillingham had to be on the phone with Dan Lanning you know, immediately uh, as soon as Dan Lanning was able to talk and willing to talk after that game. But I think Washington wins the game. I don't think it's going to be dicey for them, but 26.5 points is too many points. Arizona State in 26 and 26.5 is the play there. UCLA as uh, we talked to Chip Kelly earlier, he has got the late game. he's not going to be happy about that. 7:30 on ESPN. The Bruins are favored by 17 playing at Stanford. I think um, you know, Stanford had a great second half performance against Colorado. It was shocking, It was impressive. you know, it was really a fun game to watch and not except for Colorado, I guess. but UCLA is a really good defensive team. This is not Colorado. I think Stanford's going to have trouble scoring in this game. I think Stanford will score 14, maybe 17 points. UCLA is going to win, uh, and it's going to be something like uh, you know 31-16, 28-16, you know 28-10, something like that. That spreads about right. I wouldn't touch this game, but if you made me touch, tu- know, if you made me play this game, I would take Stanford in 17, just because I think it'll be lower scoring. But uh, UCLA is yeah. going to win by double digits.
2: Yeah, no, I I like Stanford too. I think the best bet here is the under, right? That's a total of 53 and a half. And I I kind of agree with you about how the game's going to flow. The issue for me is, you know, Dante Moore has not played that well in his two conference road games, Utah and Oregon State. Uh, He's got four interceptions in those two games. And Stanford's defense is not very good, but to cover 17, Moore's going to have to play really well, and I just quite haven't quite seen it. So I, I've got Stanford you, uh, covering you, covering that number as well. Did you see
1: what you said though? You said Utah and Oregon State. Those are good defenses. Utah's defense is championship caliber defense. If they had any offense, they'd they'd be you know a front runner in the conference right now. But in Oregon State, you know, at home, really tough play. I think they the crowd there at Research Stadium really affected Dante Moore. Will the Stanford crowd affect Dante Moore? Or is this an opportunity for Chip Kelly to get his young QB some confidence?
2: Uh, no, <laughs> what little Stanford crowd there is will right? not affect Dante Moore. But I, but the thing, I agree with you about the you know Utah and Oregon State defenses uh much better than Stanford's right but I'm just looking at that number seventeen yeah, it's right? too they many. lost to, yeah. they lost to Utah about 14-7, and they lost in Corvallis by I think it was twelve point thirty six twenty four something like yeah, that. 36-24. Just, yeah thirty six just I just think it's too many if it were Ucla minus you know eleven or twelve I'd probably take the Bruins yes. but I just think seven the value on seventeen is with Stanford I think
1: yeah I agree with you and, I, and I'm saying that but I just think Dante Moore this might be a good game for him but you're right Uclas UCLA's offense scored 24, 25, and seven in their last three games. So I think they'll get about 28 on Stanford.
2: I got it 28 16. Well, and, and they, you know, they've got two conference losses. They can't lose. If they want to try to get in the championship game, they cannot lose again. Um, and you know they still have got an outside shot because there's a decent chance that that you know w- one of the participants in Las Vegas is going to have two league losses, so they are not out of it yet. But they can't they can't lose again. They don't play Oregon or Washington, so the schedule isn't terrible for the Bruins if if they can get a little bit more offense to complement that defense. I'm John Canzano. You can read me at
1: johnconsano.com. He's John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. You can find him at Pac-12 Hotline.com. We want to give a shout-out to Pacific Seafood. They are coming aboard as our first sponsor, as we mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, thank you to Pacific Seafood. And uh, we will, you'll hear a lot more about them in the uh, coming weeks. We did a big seafood boil for a bunch of friends and family in the backyard last year. And uh, we leaned into Pacific Seafood and uh, ordered from them, and it was fantastic. Everybody it was a big hit. Everybody was happy. And we've kind of decided that's going to be an annual summer tradition. And so maybe this year, Wilner will invite you guys up and you come up for the Seafood Boil in the summer.
2: That sounds fantastic. Yeah, we really appreciate the support from Pacific Seafood. Thanks so much.
1: Subscribe to this podcast if you're not subscribed already. Leave us some feedback and we'll be back next week with another big episode.